0: Tonight's scripture reading will be taken from Psalms, chapter 127, verse 1. Psalms 127, verse 1, and I will be reading from the King James Version. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that built it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh in vain. Good evening and welcome again to our worship service tonight. We're grateful for your presence. As always, if you're visiting, we invite you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We're grateful for those who have joined hands with us in recent weeks, and we certainly want to express appreciation to Shelley and Kenton for making the decision to come and be a part of the work here. And if you are currently in the process process of looking for a church home, I would invite you to Feel free to talk to the elders. I know that they would be more than happy to sit down and talk to you about the work here and the opportunities for service in this community. We're going to be looking tonight at Psalm 127, and as you are turning to Psalm 127, let me just very quickly say that to those who were uh, able to come to the singing this afternoon at the nursing or retirement facility, we express appreciation We had uh, several of our teenagers there, and for that we're grateful. We appreciate your presence, and we we really had more women present than men. And so I'm not a song leader. And Brother Tim was present, and he's not a song leader. David, he is a song leader, but we were in short supply of song leaders. And so what we really need next month are some men who can lead singing. And so I want you to begin marking your calendars. If you can lead a song or if you can lead singing, we need your help. Because I am not, in any shape, form, or fashion, a song leader. And all I try to do is just blend in. And uh, I really try not to blend in too much because in so doing, I throw everybody else out of kilter. But uh, that being said, please make plans to come next month. We would love to have you. Uh, for that singing. Tonight we're going to be looking at Psalm 127, and we want to talk about, for just a moment or two, the importance of building our home on the Lord. There is a great need today for men and women to recognize the importance of building their homes on the Lord. And the psalmist, I believe, underscores the importance of laying the proper foundation and building their own. And so tonight we're going to talk about, for a moment or two, building our home on the Lord. As you and I look at Psalm 127, the first thing that I want to call your attention to is the foundation or the cornerstone. Note, if you would, what the psalmist said, "...unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain." who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Let me just pause here and ask this question. Upon whom are you building your home tonight? There is a need today for individuals, men and women, to recognize the extreme importance of laying the right foundation in the home. There are a couple of possibilities. The first would be that you could lay your foundation upon the Savior. In other words, you could build your home on the Lord Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people in our world today that are building their home on something other than the Lord. I used the expression this morning, spinning your wheels, and I think it's true that when individuals build their home on something other than the Lord, they are, in short, spinning their wheels. What we want to do is encourage people to build their homes on the Lord. I like what Joshua said in the long ago in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Last Sunday evening, I talked about how those of us who are the male or males in the home, we are to be, that is, the father, the husband, is to be the spiritual leader in the home. And sadly, many fathers, many husbands have abdicated this responsibility. And they have allowed the mother or the wife to assume this this role. And the reason is because the man, the rightful head, has abdicated his position. We need men like Joshua who have the faith and the conviction in the Lord who will lay the foundation in the home and say, Listen, we're going to build our home on the Lord Jesus Christ in Genesis 18 18 it was said of Abraham God said for I know him that he will command his children and his house his home after me wouldn't it be great if every family sought to direct their home after the Lord wouldn't it be wonderful If the Lord could have confidence in mothers and fathers, husbands and wives tonight, that they are building their homes on him. Now look again at what the psalmist said. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. We talk about the right foundation. If you're going to build a structure, if you're going to build a home, or if you're going to build some type of office complex, the first thing you've got to do is lay a foundation. Well, if you're going to build a home, and that home's going to to withstand the various forces of life, then you're going to have to have a sturdy foundation. There are a lot of people in our world today, they are building their homes on the sinking sands of materialism and money and false philosophies. What we want to do is encourage people to build their home on the Lord. Jesus contrasted in Matthew chapter 7 the wise and foolish builders. The wise builder heard the word of God and put it into practice. Think for a moment about what the word of God has to say about the home a home that is in compliance with the will of God. Well, individuals who take this book, the Bible, and use it as a divine manual, let me tell you, they're going to find success. Now, there are some people that are in the world, and they have built their home on something other than the Lord, and maybe they will say that their home is flourishing, everything's okay. But what's going to happen when the trials and the tribulations and the difficulties of life begin to encroach upon their home life? Will they be able to withstand the onslaught of the world? So I would encourage all of us to build our home on the Lord, to lay the right foundation. Now, I said that you and I, we can can build our home on, On the Savior. The other possibility is that we can build our home on something other than the Lord. There are a lot of people in our world today, and maybe they have not explicitly acknowledged this, but they are building their home on Satan. In other words, They do not have the right foundation. Their home is not governed by the Word of God. The focus of their home is not the Savior, is not the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that there are in a number of challenges that confront us in the world today? Think for a moment about some of the challenges that are being imposed on the home. What you and I need to see is that Satan is doing everything that he can to destroy our home. That's right. Satan wants to undermine, he wants to to destroy your earthly palace. How do I know that? Well, go back to the book of Job and read about what is said in chapters 1 and 2 of that great book Job was a good man the Bible says he was a man that feared God he turned away from evil and yet Satan came on the scene and God asked Satan in the long ago have you considered my servant Job now look at how Satan literally put Job and his family through the meal do you think that That Satan took it easy on Job and his family? Absolutely not. Job buried ten children, seven sons and three daughters. He lost much of his material wealth. His herds and flocks destroyed. His servants, his own body was literally racked with pain as a result of the boils that covered his physical body. And so Satan was trying to do what? He was trying to disrupt his faith, his trust in God. Ultimately, he was striving to strike at the heart of Job's happiness, and that was his home. Now that's what Satan wants to do today. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Satan is interested in destroying the peace and the happiness that you have in your home life. How's he going to do that? Number one, he's going to do it through divorce. I wish that I could tell you that there are positive statistics in our favor in the Lord's church concerning divorce, but that's not the case. We know that in the world many people are dissolving their marriages. Statistically, about one out of two marriages today end in the divorce courts. Well, in the church of our Lord, many people, many members of the church, are experiencing trauma in their homes. And many of our homes are dissolving in the divorce courts. But here's what Jesus said, What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Matthew chapter 19, verse 6. That's what the Word of God says. What Satan wants you and me to buy into is that if you're not happy, if you're not satisfied with your home life, with your arrangement, then what you need to do is find a new mate. After all, that's what everybody else is doing. I mean, why not get somebody else that can make you happy? That's what Satan wants you to do, it's the devil's lie. When you and I enter into the marital relationship, we do so with the intent of permanency. Do you remember those words? Till death do us part. That's what we have vowed, not just before many witnesses, not just before one another and to one another, but in the very presence of God. God is the one that joins two people together in the state of marriage. And God said what he has joined together, we're not to put asunder. As a matter of fact, Malachi said that God hates putting away. He hates divorce. Why? Well, just look at some of the problems that stem from divorce. So one of the things that Satan wants to do, he wants to disrupt your home life by divorce. And then you talk about some of the complications and problems that stem from divorce. Now lest you think that I am immune to divorce in my household, let me just very clearly state that that's not the case. My own mother and father divorced when I was about 20 years of age. And I can tell you right now that there are problems that you will face as a result of having a splintered family until you go to the grave. There are problems that arise. There are, there are things that will develop out of a divorce that touch not just the husband and the wife, but the children, the grandchildren, the brothers, the sisters, the aunts and the uncles. Everybody is affected. Sometimes individuals say, well, it's just, it's just affecting the two of us. Let me just tell you right now, that is a lie. It is not true. It impacts any number of people. Go out to a pond sometime and take a rock and throw it out into the water and note the ripple effect. That's what happens when divorce occurs in the home. It is a ripple effect. Divorce, that's what Satan wants. Number two... Satan is interested in dividing your home. He can divide your home in a number of ways. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. A house divided against itself cannot stand. He went on to say a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. If Satan can get family members warring against one another and fighting against one another and bickering, and if he can somehow bring about an atmosphere of strife he will bring that home down. we see it in the church don't we Jesus said a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand you take a congregation of God's people and you let several people begin to talk and to murmur and to complain And you let those people have an influence on others, and before you know it, you have a divided camp, and then before you know it, you have a split in the body of Christ. Now, if it can happen in the church of our Lord, it can happen in the home. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to get mothers and fathers warring against one another. He wants to get sons and daughters warring against their, their parents, and once he has that atmosphere of strife and contention going, all he has to do is fan the flames. Satan is intent on destroying our homes. And then just add to that mix to that mix drugs and alcohol. Wonder how many homes in our society today are being destroyed because mothers and fathers can't leave a bottle alone wonder how many homes are being destroyed today because mothers and fathers and children are using chemical substances. If the devil can get get people hooked on drugs and alcohol is a drug, he can destroy that home. There are a lot of homes today that have no peace because there's a mother or a father a husband or a wife or maybe both of them, maybe the children, they're all hooked on something. Solomon said, wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. Whoever is deceived thereby, listen to him, is not wise. You show me somebody that uses alcohol and uses drugs, and I'll show you a foolish individual. That's what Solomon said. And so what we have to do is guard, protect our homes. Go back to the Garden of Eden and look at Adam and Eve in the garden. God had said that they were not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. Satan did what? He approached Mother Eve. Where was Adam? You ever wondered, where was Adam? Why approach Mother Eve? Peter talks about the woman being the weaker vessel. You and I can make the case that one of the problems in the Garden of Eden was that Adam failed in his duty to protect his wife. Those of us who are fathers, we have the responsibility of protecting our homes. The psalmist said, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. We need the sovereign creator of the universe protecting our homes. And what we as spiritual leaders in the home need to do is make sure that the foundation is set and that our homes are built on the Lord. Number two, not only do we have the foundation of the home, but the fruit of the home. Note, if you would, what is said in verse 3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb. Is his reward. As parents, you and I, we have the blessing of bringing children into this world. I think about the words of of Adam when Eve was created. He said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Children are literally bone of our bones and flesh of our flesh now there are some people that out of the graciousness and kindness of their heart have adopted children and I'm very grateful for people that have brought orphaned children into their home and have nurtured and cared for them and in many of those homes those children are looked upon as the bone of their bones and flesh of their flesh they make no distinction between their biological children and their adopted children. But children are a great blessing. But with those blessings come great responsibilities. The psalmist talks about in verse 5, Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. The quiver, a quiver was simply a satchel to hold arrows. And so the psalmist is saying that children, an abundance of children, if you please, are a blessing in the home. And so, we think about the rewards associated with having children, but think about our responsibilities. Number one, as parents, what are, we, what are we to do in the home? We have to mentor our children. We use that word a lot today in our society. We talk about training, instructing, leading, guiding our children. Last Sunday evening, we spent some time looking at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1-4. through four. And Paul said, and you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We have the responsibility of leading our children in the paths of righteousness, of teaching them, laying the foundation, and teaching them the principles of Christianity. Let me suggest unto you that as parents, we teach our children the meaning of life. Please don't let the school... Where your children attend, try to tell your children what the meaning of life is all about because in many of our schools today, they have no idea. You see, if you misunderstand your origin, then you're going to misunderstand your purpose. In many of our schools today, they say that we are the products of evolution, that we are the products of some type of Big Bang, some cataclysmic explosion. The Bible tells us that we are the products of an Almighty God. He is the Father of our spirit. And God is the one who has made us in His own image and likeness. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. And you and I, as as parents, we have the responsibility of teaching our children what the true meaning of life is. Read, Read sometime between now and the first of the years. You think about refocusing for the new year. Read the book of Ecclesiastes. And note, if you would, some of the things that Solomon emphasizes in his book. You want to talk about power? Solomon was a powerful man. You want to talk about worldly possessions? Solomon had it all. You want to talk about prominence? Solomon was a prominent king in Israel. He was, as a matter of fact, the last king in the United Kingdom before it split or divided. And Solomon basically places life under a microscope. Solomon tried it all. He said, whatever my eyes beheld, what? I didn't hold back from any of that. In other words, whatever I saw, if I wanted it, then I tried to acquire it. I did acquire it. But in chapter 12, he said, here's the conclusion of the whole matter. It's like Solomon is placing life under a microscope And he's ferreting out those things that are good and bad, and he's drawing his conclusions. And here's his summation. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. Some translations say the whole duty of man. And the idea is that the whole sphere of our existence is is what? It's meant to fear God and keep his commands. If our children do not understand the purpose of life, they will wander about aimlessly in this world. They will never feel happy. They will never feel satisfied. There will never be a sense of contentment. Now somebody might say, well, my children are happy and they're they're enjoying the things of the world. Well, superficially that may be the case. But I'm talking about deep down, true contentment in life. It's not going to be had in the world. It's only had in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so as as parents, we have to teach our children the true meaning of life. And what is the true meaning of life? Well, it's to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And one of the ways that we lead is by what? It's by example. We are setting the tone in the home. Wouldn't it be great if every one of us as parents lived in such a way so that when our children grow older, they can reflect back upon their days in the home and their conclusion is, you know, I want to walk in the footsteps of my mother and father. I want to be just like my mama, just like my daddy. That can happen. But the only way it can happen is if we make a concerted effort to set the right tone in the home. So we have to mentor our children, and then we have to manage our children. And by that I simply mean we have the responsibility of governing them. Without law, or without laws in the home, anarchy reigns. One of the problems in the home today is there are no laws. There are no boundaries. Some children, they they have the liberty to do as they please. And yet many children, you know what they want? They want guidance. They want parameters. They want somebody to set for them some rules. This is what you can do. This is what you're not to do. And let me just inject here. When we talk about managing the home. It's up to us to teach our children the importance of, of industry and hard work. It's up to us to teach our children how to manage their money. It's up to us to teach our children the importance of responsibility. And if our children act recklessly, if they're not responsible in the home, you know what we're to do? Well, we're to pull that responsibility. If they. If they're unable to show themselves responsible in the home, then we treat them as children until they can. But we have the the important task of managing our children. Again, Paul said in Ephesians 6 verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Who is in charge in the home? The parents are to be in charge. It's not the other way around. There are a lot of homes today that the children are calling the shots. And that's why there are so many problems in our society today. And what children need are management. They need principles that relate to management. They need to be managed, supervised. They need a superintendent in the home. And that's our role. Thirdly, let's talk about the future of the home. The future of the home is really the course, the direction of our home. What direction is your home moving in tonight? Be honest. Evaluate where where is your home right now? Are you moving forward? Are you status quo? Or are you backing up? Listen, if you would, to what the psalmist said. Note verse 4. In Psalm 127.4, the psalmist said, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. The picture is that of a warrior. He has the quiver by his side that holds his arrows. He takes an arrow out, he places that arrow in his bow, and then he releases that arrow but that arrow has a target. And what the psalmist is saying is that as parents, our target, the goal is heaven. What we're trying to do is rear our children in such a way so that they will have the right foundation and ultimately so that they will have a home in heaven. That's what we want. Now let me just pause here and ask this question what is the worst thing that could happen to you if you were if you were to just sit down and think for a few moments what would be the worst thing that could happen to you and your family somebody says well there are a lot of people in our in our country today that are losing they they've lost a job that's bad and we We understand, we sympathize with situations like that. There are some people that would say, Well, I've lost my 401K. I've lost a lot of money in the stock market. That's bad. I understand that. There are some people that will will tell you they've lost their home. It's been foreclosed. That's bad. I'm not going to deny it. that's bad. There are some things that we can suffer by way of loss that are bad. When you talk about losing a job, losing your home, losing your automobile, maybe your automobiles repossessed, you lose your 401k, you thought you were going to be able to retire but now you're going to have to work several years more to recoup what you've lost and it's not going to be easy to regain that money. You've lost a lot of money in the stock market, all of these things are falling down around you. You wonder, how could it get any worse and yet it continues to get worse? What is the worst thing that could happen to you and your family? Let me tell you what the worst thing that could happen to you and your family. It's not losing a home. It's not losing an automobile. It's not losing it's not losing it's not about losing your 401k, your stocks, your bonds and all of that. The worst thing that could happen to you and your family is to die in your sins and for your family members to die in in their sins. And by that I mean your children and grandchildren. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 24. Except you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. And Jesus said, if you die in your sins, where I am, there you cannot come. Now, there are a lot of bad things that are happening in our our world and in our country, and I, I will readily agree. And there are hard times that many of us have faced and will face. But I want you to know tonight that the worst thing that could happen to you is not losing your bank account, it's not losing your 401K, it's not losing your automobile, it's not losing your home, it's losing your soul, and to watch your children lose their souls, that's the worst thing that could happen to you. Several years ago, I had a friend of mine that was talking to me about his children, and he made the observation, he said, I would wade through hell for my children. I suspect that most of us, we would gladly give our life. We would willingly lay down our physical life for the life of a child. That is, for the life of our child or our children. Because we want what's best for them. In our world today, we have parents, they're giving their children everything materially and physically that they want. They want a car, they get a car. They want money, they get money. They want new clothes, they get new clothes. Whatever they want, they get. But what they really need is what? What? What they really need is guidance and instruction from the Word of God. Do you remember what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, and that from a baby you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation? There are a lot of things in this world that can break our heart. And I'm sure that many of us have had our, our heart broken from time to time, and maybe our children have broken our heart. But let me tell you what. You know what to me is, is the most heartbreaking scenario of all? It's to think about my child losing his soul forever. Or to think about your child, your children, losing their soul forever. For that matter, for you to lose your soul individually. That's why Jesus said... If you die in your sins, where I am there, you cannot come. We need to build our home on the Lord. That's the only hope that we have. What's the worst thing that could happen? The worst thing that could happen is that our home is not built on the Lord. And that as mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, sons and daughters... We spend eternity severed from the presence of God forevermore. Would you determine right now that you're going to build your home on the Lord? If the emphasis in your home is not Jesus Christ, would you make would you make the commitment tonight to say the Lord's going to be first in our home? Maybe we haven't done what we should be doing in the home. But you know what? From this day forward, we're going to do our dead level best. We're going to try as a mother and father, as a husband and a wife. Because you see, ultimately, we want to be in heaven and we want our children to be in heaven. Is your home built on the Lord? If you're here tonight and you're not a New Testament Christian, then this is the time, this is the place to obey the gospel. Again, Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins, John 8, verse 24. You and I have to believe Jesus is the Son of God. We must be willing to repent, to turn from a life of sin, confess His name before others, and then be immersed in water for the remission of our sins, Acts 2:38. When we do that, God adds us to the church. And then we are instructed to be faithful until death, Revelation 2, verse 10. If you're here tonight and you're, you're not faithful, maybe your home is not what it should be. Could we pray with you and for you? Could we encourage you? We're all in this thing together. We're all trying to go to the same place, and that same place is called heaven. And we can work together, we can pray together, and we can help one another. If we can help you with any need you may have, would you come as we stand and sing?